Hello and welcome to End of the Age. I'm your host, Doug Norvell. Uh, here solo again today, Vince is still out traveling with his family. Uh, briefly, I'll give you uh, just the information where he will be speaking this weekend. He actually has a speaking engagement at a church, uh, Harvest Ministries, at 3114 East Sunset Street in Springfield, Missouri. And that's going to be this Sunday from uh, at the 10 o'clock service, and then there's also an 11 o'clock service. So uh, if you're in the Springfield, Missouri area, uh, please stop by. I know Vince would love to uh, meet you. Uh, he and his whole family will be there, so you'll be able to meet his whole crew there. And uh, like I said, he'll, he'll be happy to meet you. If you need more information about that, uh, you can go to endtime.com and you can uh, click on the events tab. And in that area, you'll be able to get all the information you need, including maps and things like that, so you can uh, go to this venue. So please go out and support Vince if you're in that area. And he'll be back with me next week, so um, trust me, I'll be ready for him to be back next week. Uh, today's topic, I want to just tell you, um, it's a topic that I, I feel like uh, the Lord really showed me something one day when I was here and I had had a question and um, somebody had emailed me a question about uh, the Lord coming back as a thief in the night. And so it was something that uh, the Lord just kind of put me down a trail and I began to unfold this thing. And as I did, I came across some really cool information and shared it with Dave. And then uh, from there, um, Dave shared it with Brother Baxter. And so we we just were really kind of in awe that, you know, it was one of those things that kind of unfolded to us that we had never seen before. So it's it's kind of a cool lesson. I'm excited about it today. I'm going to tell you, uh, if you want to get a pen and paper ready, you might want to jot some notes down because I'm going to be kind of flying through this stuff to try to get through everything I've got today. But um, like I said, the topic today is like a thief in the night. Scripture tells us that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Uh, but we will we be able to tell when this time is? That's a question we always have. And what do we need to be doing during that time? Um, we might be able to learn a little bit if we look really closely at some of these uh, scriptures that give us clues and let us know what the time's going to look like and what we need to be doing as Christians as we await for the time of the second coming of the Lord Jesus. So I'm going to jump right into things here and we're going to look first of all at what Jesus says in Matthew 24. So this is Matthew 24. I'm going to start in verse 42. It says, Watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, that if the good man of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. 44. Therefore, be ye also ready, for in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man cometh. So Jesus tells us that we've got to watch because it's going to come like a thief. And if we knew a thief was coming, we wouldn't even sleep. We would be up. We would be waiting. We would be watching, trying to keep that thief from being able to come in and rob us. So Revelation sixteen fifteen, in the middle of the uh, vials being poured out there, Jesus says this in verse 15, Behold, I come as a thief. And blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. Now in the middle of the vials, the wrath of God, we're seeing a warning issued by Jesus here. It's as if it's a last minute warning 
of his coming and us being gathered together to him. He also says to watch here. But this time he says to keep his garments. We'll come back to that later. So remember that, that uh, blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments. We'll come back to that a little bit later. All right, let's look at what the apostle uh, Peter says. In 2 Peter 3, 10, he says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Paul says this in 1 Thessalonians 5, But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you, For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not of the darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all children of the light and children of the day. We are not of the night nor the darkness, So therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. So Paul tells us a lot of great information here. Okay, one of the things he tells us that we're not of the darkness. He also says that that day will not take us as a thief. He also tells us the same thing Jesus said. He says to watch and be ready. So what are some of the things we should watch for? Well, we need to look at the day of the Lord to understand this a little bit better. So Isaiah 13, 9 says, Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, cruel both with wrath and fierce anger, to lay the land desolate, and he shall also destroy the sinners thereof out of it. For the stars of heaven and the constellations thereof shall not give their light. The sun shall be darkened in his going forth. And the moon shall not cause her light to shine. And I will punish the world for their evil and the wickedness for their iniquity. And I will cause the arrogancy of the proud to cease and will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. And I will make a man more precious than fine gold, even a man than a golden wedge of Ophir. Therefore, I will shake the heavens and the earth and shall remove out of her place in the wrath of the Lord of hosts and in the day of his fierce anger. So right here we see a picture from the Old Testament, from Isaiah, where he's talking about the day of the Lord. So the day of the Lord is what we're talking about when Jesus comes back as a thief in the night. We're going to examine even more of these. There's one, a couple of other verses that uh, say the same exact thing. Joel um, 2, 31 says, The sun shall be darkened, or shall turn into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord come. Even in Acts 2, 20, it says, The sun shall turn to darkness and the moon into blood before that great and notable day of the Lord come. So these same events occur in other books of the Bible to help give more understanding of what that day is going to look like. When we come back, we'll get into the book of Revelation and look at these same events that are going to happen in the very near future. Stay with me.
Satan and the elites of this world don't want you to understand the timeline leading to the second coming of Jesus. You can pinpoint where we are in the end time, understand how you fit in, and be filled with hope in God's plan by watching the future according to Bible prophecy. Go to endtime.com slash future or call 800 endtime. That's 800-363-8463. Hi, I'm Judy Baxter. When Irvin and I got married, we didn't realize that our calling would be a prophetic ministry. Since we started End Time Ministries, there have been many times we weren't sure how we would pay the bills, but God has always provided. We started with the magazine, then went on radio and TV, and now we have the Jerusalem Prophecy College in Israel and online and End of the Age Plus. The mission has always been to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the end time message. Through the years, my husband would say, we will see revival like never before in the last days. We are living in the end time now. Thank you for walking this journey with us and continuing in prayer. You are a part of the team. Thank you for your generous support. It is necessary for God's purpose. The most important thing is that you are ready when the Lord comes. Our hope is to help prepare you for that day. God bless you, and we love you. What if you could understand Bible prophecy? Dave Robbins, the host of the End of the Age television and radio programs, is holding a free prophecy conference near you. Gain peace and understanding about what the Bible says concerning end-time prophecy. Call 1-800-END-TIME or visit endtime.com slash events for more information. Okay, welcome back. I got so excited about jumping right into my Bible study, I forgot to talk about the LED wall behind me. So I got to give a shout out to Andrew, how awesome that looks today. He got this up and running today so that we would have a graphic moving behind me. And in the future, we're going to be able to do so much more with this. And uh, there's so many great things coming. You guys are going to be so excited when uh, we really get to tell you everything that's in the works. So uh, thank you so much for your patience uh, bearing with us in the times where we had to go audio only, where we had to play replays. Uh, We appreciate you having understanding there because what we're trying to do is going to benefit all of us, I believe. And it's going to bring you a much better uh, program to, to view and uh, it's just going to be really great. We're going to be able to look like we're in so many different places when we're talking about the Word of God. It's going to be so cool. So uh, just wanted to say that before I move on. So right before the break, we talked about uh, the day of the Lord, and we talked about what that looks like in Scripture. Uh, it's going to be a day where the sun's going to be dark and the moon's going to be dark. The stars are going to fall from the sky. There's going to be a great shaking. Uh, all these things are told us told about to us in uh, the Bible about the coming of the of the Lord and the day of the Lord now when we move into revelation into chapter six we're looking at the sixth vial or sixth seal here and uh, so when we look at the sixth seal we see the exact same thing so this is going to go into some teaching here in a few minutes where I know some of you uh, may not agree with this, but just have an open mind, have an open heart, listen to the scripture and what the scripture's saying, and, and maybe uh, you'll see something you haven't ever seen before. So uh, moving on into Revelation 6, starting with verse 12. And I beheld 
when he had opened the sixth seal and lo, there was a great earthquake and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair and the moon became as blood and the stars of heaven fell unto the earth. Even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs when she is shaken by a mighty wind and the heavens departed as a scroll when it is rolled together and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. And the kings of the earth, the great man, the rich man, and the chief captains, and the mighty man, and every bondman, every free man, hid themselves in the dens of the rocks of the mountains, and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall upon us and hide us from the face of him that setteth on the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb. So this is Another scripture, this is a sixth seal, and it's showing us the day of the Lord. The, the Lord comes back. He has great wrath, we're told in this scripture. He is sitting on a throne. They see him coming in the clouds with power and great glory, and he's on his throne. They see um, the Lamb of God coming there. Okay, so it's safe to say at this point, reading these scriptures about what that day is going to look like, that the day of the Lord happens at the second coming of Jesus Christ. It's a day of wrath when Jesus will uh, take out the kingdoms of men and he'll set up his kingdom, which will last forever. It'll never fade away. So if we look at this account of the same day, we see uh, also that this day is the day when we're going to be gathered together unto the Lord. Okay, so I'm going to show you that now. So we've got all these events. Remember, sun's being dark and the moon turns to blood. Uh, the stars fall from the sky. There's a great shaking of the earth and they see Jesus coming. Okay, now I want to show you this. This is a depiction of the resurrection or the rapture. In Matthew 24, it's 29 through 31. You ready? Here we go. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the tribulation of those days, this is at the end of the final three and a half years of the great tribulation, shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light and the stars shall fall from the heavens and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. So there we go. We've got the moon and the sun are dark the stars fall from heaven and a great shaking. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in the heavens, just like they saw in uh, the sixth seal. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of the heavens to the other. So this is telling us that the same event that we just saw in Revelation chapter 6 happens at not only the wrath being poured out, but the saints are being taken out. He's sending his angels together, his elect. So we can see these same events are happening there. All right. Now, just in case... You're not buying into that and you don't see that. Let me show you 1 Corinthians 15 because it's very important that we understand all of this when we're looking at the scriptures to kind of get an idea of the big picture. You've got to take all the scripture that pertains to the subject that we're talking about, put them together and look at them in a big picture to understand really what's happening here. So 1 Corinthians 15. By the way, 1 Corinthians 15 is full of just all kinds of wonderful 
nuggets of joy and, and great wisdom and knowledge. So you need to sometimes just go and read 1 Corinthians 15, the whole chapter. But we're going to start with verse 20. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. So what are we talking about? We're talking about the resurrection here. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order. Christ the firstfruits, and afterward they that are Christ at his coming. So it tells you when the resurrection happens there. It happens at his coming. When Jesus returns, that's when the resurrection happens. You don't believe that? Look at this. Then cometh the end, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom of God, or the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and authority and power. So you, you see, Jesus comes the, at that coming, the resurrection happens, and then he sets up his kingdom. He delivers the kingdom to God, and he sets up his kingdom here on earth. Okay, So clearly the scripture tells us the resurrection is happening at the second coming uh, because it's the same thing as when the kingdom's being delivered up. The book of Daniel also backs this up. Daniel talks about when the time comes when Jesus will set up his kingdom. So in Daniel 7, I'm going to start with verse 9. I'm going to read down through verse uh, 13, 14. Okay, so 9 through 14. Here we go. Daniel 7, 9 through 14. I beheld till the thrones were cast down and the ancient of days did set, whose garment was white as snow and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was like the fiery flame and his wheels as a burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth before him. Thousands and thousands ministered unto him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. And judgment was set and the books were opened. And I beheld then because of the voice of the great words which the horn had spake. And I beheld even till the beast was slain and his body was destroyed and given into the burning flame. As concerning the rest of the beast, they had their dominion taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. And I saw in my night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him, and they were given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him." His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom that shall not be destroyed. So this tells us another thing about the timing there. Daniel saw the kingdom of heaven being delivered up also, but it was at the time also when the beast was destroyed and his body was given to the burning flame. You want to know when that happens? That happens in Revelation 19. At the end of the battle of Armageddon, it says that the beast and the false prophet were both thrown alive into the lake of of fire. That's the second death. That's being destroyed, being thrown into the fire. And so you see that kingdom being set up at the same time. And Daniel talked about it as uh, much as Paul talked about it. So you have the proof there that it's even in the book of Daniel. Now, moving on into... 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, 
we also see where Paul gives us an understanding of this about the timing of it as well. He says, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, so the coming of Jesus Christ, and by our being gathered unto him. So Jesus comes back in the clouds, just like we saw a while ago in Matthew 24, and we're gathered together with him. The angels come and gather his elect up into him. He says, That you not be soon shaken in mind, or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us, as the day of Christ is at hand. The day of Christ is the same thing as the day of the Lord. Okay, so we need to understand that. So what Paul is talking about is the day of the Lord when he comes back and we're gathered together unto him. And then he says this in 2 Thessalonians 2, 3 and 4, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he as God sets in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. So Paul lets us know right there that there is something that's going to happen before Jesus returns and we're gathered to him. And he says what's going to happen is a great falling away but also that this man of sin is going to be revealed. This man who is going to oppose God and set himself up to be worshipped as God. So these are things that are clues that we're building on to understand what's going on. This event that Paul's talking about is known as the abomination of desolation. He says that the abomination of desolation must happen before Jesus Christ returns. All right? So Jesus also gave us important information about the abomination of desolation in Matthew 24 again. This time we'll look in verse 15. It says, When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whosoever readeth, let him understand, and then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. Jesus goes on to say in verse 21, For then there shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. So this abomination of desolation that Paul talked about and that Jesus talks about tells us that that event will trigger the great tribulation. So when we see that temple that's been rebuilt, and we understand that that temple is going to be a sharing arrangement, this Antichrist, this man of sin, is going to be revealed there one day in the middle of that seven years where he's going to stop the animal sacrifices like Daniel 9.27 says, and he's going to cause the abomination of desolation, which is when he sets himself up as God to be worshipped as God in the temple of God. So that is the abomination of desolation. Then, once again, like we read earlier in Matthew 24, 29 through 31, Jesus says, immediately after the tribulation of those days. So don't miss that, okay? So the abomination of desolation happens. It starts the tribulation, which we know is time, times, and dividing of time, or three and a half years, 42 months, 1,260 days, however you want to say it. It's a three and a half year period there. 
And Jesus says in Matthew 24, 29 through 31, immediately after the tribulation of those days that he would appear in the clouds of heaven, that he would send his angels to gather us, his elect, to meet him in the air. So we've seen some very important information here. We've seen that the Lord comes back as a thief in the night and that day is called the day of the Lord. That's a day when uh, he will gather his elect, the saints. It all happens on the same day. And we've also learned that the day will not take us as a thief because we'll be watching and waiting on the Lord. So that's one of the things we need to remember that Paul told us that we would know by things that were happening. We weren't children of the day. We weren't children or we were children of the day. We were not children of the night or of the darkness, but we were children of the day. So that day wouldn't take us like a thief. The reason why is because we have information that tells us in the word of God. And if you remember back a while ago when I read 24, 15, that Jesus said, let the reader understand. Well, who's the reader? Because the the Jewish folks that uh, don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah, a lot of people say they're the elect, but they're not reading the New Testament, folks. We're the ones that are reading the New Testament. The Jewish people that don't believe in Jesus Christ, they don't read the New Testament. They don't think that it's part of the Bible, and so they don't read it. So we are the ones that this scripture is talking about, and that day is not going to take us by uh, surprise. It's not going to take us as a thief in the night because we're going to be awake, we're going to be watching, and we're going to be looking for the things that Revelation tells us about. That's why the whole book of Revelation was written. Not only is it the unveiling of Jesus Christ, but it is also telling us the future of what to expect and what to look for so that we can be living the way we need to be living in the days just ahead, preparing for Jesus to come back, evangelizing, getting people ready, getting people born again, okay? So when we come back from the break, we're going to jump back into this and we're going to look at some more very interesting things in uh, Revelation 16, 15. So stay with me and come back. Thank you very much. Whether it's a global pandemic, threat of war, or floundering economies, end-time events are happening around the world every day. How can you have peace in a world of such great uncertainty? With the End Time Magazine subscription, you can gain a deeper understanding of current events and its prophesied repercussions. End Time Magazine's exclusive content and prophetic insight allows you to understand where we are in the end time. It will give you peace when horrific news and events happen. When you subscribe today to End Time Magazine for 12 months for just $19.99, you can have hope for the future because you will understand what the Bible says about the time we are living in. You'll get access to exclusive articles like the Prophesied American-Israeli Alliance, End Time Do's and Don'ts, and Could School Choice Save America? Subscribe for you or a friend right now. Go to endtime.com or call 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-END-TIME. The symbols and prophecies within the book of Revelation have perplexed Christians and unbelievers around the world. In his final work, Revelation, The Unveiling of Jesus Christ Part 2, the late Irvin Baxter unlocks the mystery of the book of Revelation with in-depth analysis and commentary like you've never heard before. These comprehensive study tools, available for $299, will deepen your biblical understanding. Don't miss this special offer. 
Call 1-800-END-TIME or go to endtime.com. If your station only carries the first 30 minutes of End of the Age, go to endtime.com and click the watch button to continue today's broadcast. You can also finish up later by clicking the archive button. Hello and welcome back to End of the Age. Uh, We were talking before briefly about, actually we were talking about the rapture there and the second coming of Jesus Christ. And so uh, now what uh, we're going to jump into, I want you to see the other side of this study and what I felt like the Lord led me to uh, one day when I received an email about this question. And so I want us to look again at Revelation 16, 15, and what that says. It says, Behold, I come as a thief, and blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. So, what are these garments? Most people, when you talk to them, would think that uh, this is our white robes, right? That we got to be dressed in white robes because, you know, we're going to be born again. And if you're born again... Uh, you know, you're the ones that are going to be raptured, okay? But the, my question to you is, is that the case? Uh, when do we actually receive those robes? And so there's scripture in the Bible that gives us understanding of this. So um, if you'll look with me now, let's look into the white robes, okay? So what does scripture actually tell us about these? In Revelation seven thirteen, it says, And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in the white robes? And whence came they? And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, These are they which came out of the great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Okay, so if we just stopped right there, you'd say, Okay, well, there's your answer. That's what I did Originally, and then I began to search a little bit more. So when I saw that originally, I was like, okay, well, there's the answer right there. But let's look at something else here, okay? Because I'm not sure that that's what Revelation 16, 15 is speaking of. So this is where I need you to keep an open mind and to uh, allow the scriptures to kind of give us information. All right? So let's dig a little bit deeper. Now we're going to go to Revelation 19. I'm going to start in verse 6 and I'm going to go to 9 here. So Revelation 19, 6 through 9, it says, And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and the voice of many waters, and the voice of mighty thundering, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him. For the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. For fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. And he saith unto me, Right blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. Okay, so here, right here what we see is we see the saints are there in heaven. The, right before this scripture, the host of heaven are watching Mystery Babylon burn. They're watching the smoke come up from Mystery Babylon, which is destroyed in the seventh vial. And then they hear this loud voice and they turn around to see what it is. And they're told this is the bride and she's made herself ready. So give her, this is where we get the fine linen, clean and white. We see there that the robes are at the marriage supper of the lamb. 
So if we're given these after the rapture, because we're already raptured up there, and then they give you the robes, how can those be what we're clothed in on the day of the Lord before the rapture happens? Could these garments be something else that the Lord's telling us to, to keep and to wear so that we don't go shamefully exposed? Well, to understand this, we're going to look back at what Paul said about the day of the Lord. Okay, so we're going to go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, starting in verse 2, and we're going to go down to verse 9. So verse 2 says, For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night, for when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in the darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. You are children of the light, and you are children of the day. You are not of the night or nor the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. And they that sleep, sleep in the night. They that are drunken are drunken in the night. But let us, who are of the day, be sober. Get this. Putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul is telling us to be ready for this day that we need certain garments, a breastplate and a helmet. Does that sound familiar? Ephesians chapter 6 verse 11 says, put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world and against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about you with truth and having the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace and above all taking the shield of faith wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. So we're told here to put this armor on and to watch. So we've been hearing about watching and having on our garments so that we don't go shamefully exposed on that day of the Lord. Now remember, Paul tells us the way that that day won't take us by as a thief is if we are sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and a helmet that is the hope of salvation. Then he tells us God hadn't appointed us to wrath. Now remember, this is in verse 16, 15, right before the full cup of God's wrath and fury is poured out. It says, Behold, I come as a thief, and blessed is he who watcheth and keepeth his garments. So we're told that we're going to be kept from the day of wrath. All that coincides with keeping this armor on. So we understand that this is 
a, a spiritual armor because our battles are against spirits and not flesh and blood. Now, remember yesterday we talked about God fighting for us. Well, the Lord still does that today. And so our battles are not physical battles, but we are dressed like spiritual warriors, not physical warriors, and God is fighting battles for us. So the armor of God is that garment in Revelation 16, 15 that we are supposed to be clothed with during the time of great tribulation. So this is how we're going to be able to stand, folks. Everybody always says, well, how are we going to be able to make it through the tribulation? What are we going to do? Well, God gives us information throughout the Bible of what we do. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Okay, so there's one clue to the puzzle there that that's what we need to do. We need to be seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Well, if you're seeking the kingdom of God, folks, hopefully you're going to be telling everybody else about the kingdom of God and how to get in there. Remember what Jesus told Nicodemus, that unless a man be born again, he can't see the kingdom of God can't enter the kingdom of God. And so we need to be teaching people how to be born again. All right. Remember, we have a brochure, too, that you can look uh, at endtime.com on uh, what do you mean born again? And it explains that in, uh, in great detail. If you ever have any questions about that, just give us a call or an email and talk to us about it. We'll be happy to help you understand that. Okay. so Paul tells us that we've got to be wearing this armor if we're going to survive what's coming, that that evil day. So there is a time coming where we're going to have to function in the spirit wearing this stuff. So let's look at what that is, okay? So we're going to look first the belt of truth. So the belt of truth, the truth is the foundation of all our belief. Jesus said, I am the truth, the way, and the life, that no one comes to the Father except through me. And so that's what we base our understanding on is the truth of Jesus Christ and, and the word of God and the, uh, the foundation that the apostles built off of. The book of Acts is full of the acts of the apostles. It tells us how to function as a church. And the Bible says that the uh, teachings of the apostles are our foundation and Jesus is the chief cornerstone. Uh, when they uh, arrested Jesus, remember, they asked Jesus what he had been teaching. He said, why do you ask me what I teach? Why don't you ask them? They're, I taught them everything. I've spoken publicly in your squares and I've never hid my message to anybody. But you want to know what I teach? Ask the people that follow me. They'll tell you what I teach. So that's what we need to be able to do. We need to be able to tell other people what Jesus teaches, what the Word of God teaches us and the truth of the Word of God. So the enemy has constantly tried to blur this truth. And all the way back to the Garden of Eden, um, and even when Jesus was in the wilderness uh, fasting for 40 days, when the, when the devil came to him and tried to twist uh, the truth around, but God just fought him back with the word and, and gave him the truth of the word, and then the devil fled from Jesus. So the belt is something else I want you to think about with this belt. The belt is used to strengthen our back and to help us stand straight and tall. Other parts of this armor also attach to this belt. So we can say uh, that we're connected to the truth as well. Everything we're wearing is going to be connected to the truth. Uh, when a police officer wears a belt, he's got 
every tool that he needs on there. And that utility belt that that police officer wears is connected to him. You can't get that belt off. That thing is, is stuck to him. It's got snaps that hold it on and everything. And so that's kind of the way this belt is. That belt during the day of warriors when they fought, it was something that protected your belly, protected your back, and everything else hooked onto that belt so that you were one unit moving around and it was all located in the center. So that is your your center mass is the truth of the Word of God. So something just to kind of think about. Uh, Moving on to the breastplate of righteousness. Um, The Bible says that we're made righteous when we are born uh, again into Jesus Christ. Uh, If you remember also when Jesus uh, was baptized, John the Baptist came to Jesus and he said, I I shouldn't be baptizing you, Lord, you should be baptizing me. And Jesus said, we do this to fulfill all righteousness. It was something that must be done to fulfill the righteousness. Other scripture there says we do this uh, to uh, complete all that God requires. So that baptism of Jesus is the same thing that we need to do. We need to be baptized born again in the water and the spirit. And so that's what Jesus was saying there. And we're made righteous. Scripture tells us this when we're born again, when we're baptized into Jesus Christ. So this breastplate protects all our vital organs. You think about what a breastplate does there. It protects your, uh, all your vital organs, but especially your heart. And we need to keep our hearts right with God. We need to remember um, what we're told in Matthew 6 to seek Ye first that kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto us. So that breastplate of righteousness is something we need to keep uh, to keep our hearts right with God and to remember that we're walking in righteousness, not because of anything we've ever done, but because of what Christ did for us on the cross. And so that's the breastplate of righteousness. When you have that on, you're, you're protected by uh, swords and arrows and everything else that's coming at your vital organs. When we come back from this break, we'll jump back into the rest of the pieces of that armor. Stay with me. I've been part of the End Time family from the beginning over 30 years ago when my parents, Irvin and Judy Baxter, began the ministry from the recliner in our living room. My name is Jana Robbins. I have the pleasure of connecting with our incredible partners every day. Endtime is a small nonprofit that runs a high traffic website, a daily TV and radio show, the Prophecy College in Jerusalem, and more. Although we have less than 30 team members, we are able to serve tens of millions of people each month. We survive on the goodness of God and donations averaging about $50. If everyone hearing this message gave $22, our financial needs would be met for the year. If you only give to one cause per month, please consider partnering with Endtime to help get the message of our soon coming King out to the world. Call us at 1-800-ENDTIME to give today or go to endtime.com to become a monthly or one-time partner. Welcome back to End of the Age. Um, We were talking about uh, the armor of God here before we went away to break. We got through uh, the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness. Now we are uh, going to having our feet shod with the gospel of peace. 
So Romans 5.1 tells us, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of glory of God. So I take that scripture because I want you to understand the hope of glory of God. What we have there, it tells us that that's why we have the peace. See, so many people ask us why we are so excited about, you know, the end times and and why we get excited about this stuff. Well, because we have a peace over us, because we know that these things are going to happen and we want to get everybody prepared so that they have the same hope of glory that we have, uh, that one day when Jesus Christ returns, that his spirit living in us will allow our feet to leave the ground and we'll be able to meet Jesus in the air. That's what all this is about. That's what we want to see as many people leave the ground at that point as we can. We want to take as many people with us up in that resurrection, in that rapture when Jesus comes back. So we have this hope of glory, which is Christ in us, uh, knowing that Jesus Christ uh, dwells in us through the Holy Ghost and that we have these promises Uh, Because of the peace that we have through this gospel of Jesus Christ, we're going to be able to stand firm um, in these times that are coming. Every time we hear in Scripture, you know, stand firm or uh, he who endureth until the end shall be saved. Those type of Scriptures, when we hear that, we can have that peace knowing that we hang on to that truth of the Word of God, knowing that we are born again and we're going to be with Jesus Christ. And that's going to get us even through uh, persecution, folks. I mean, Paul went through terrible persecution. He was beat so many times. He was shipwrecked. He was bit by a snake. All kinds of stuff happened to Paul. And then eventually uh, they took Paul's head. But, uh, you know, I mean, Paul was excited about going and being with the Lord. Uh, he, he even talked about pouring himself out like a drink offering. Uh, he had been through so much, but he had pure joy and uh, and he was excited because he knew that he had a reward in heaven for the things that he'd gone through. So that's what we can do when we have on um, those, uh, our feet are shod with the sandals or the boots, however you want to look at it. Uh, it's very important too. Let me just say this. If you're going to fight, uh, it's very important to have on uh, something on your feet where you can stand your ground and where you can dig your heels in and you can fight. Uh, so that's another reason why, uh, you know, shoes are very important when you're talking about armor. Uh, okay, next thing, the shield of faith. The shield is a defensive weapon, and we use it to deflect the attacks of the enemy. So in Romans ten seventeen it says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So we need to stay in the Word of God. We need to study and we need to understand it, folks, so that when the enemy comes against us, we'll let our faith in the truth of the Word of God deflect those attacks. Because the enemy is going to come at us in all kinds of different ways. You know it's happening every day right now. We talk about stuff every day. Uh, and the enemy is trying to blur those lines between what is good and what is evil. Uh, and so we have to have the faith that comes by hearing the Word of God. 
And uh, so we need to be in the word of God daily. We need to be praying daily. We need to keep that shield. And you think about what a shield does. When a warrior has a shield, it helps. It's like a double armor. It's like uh, an area where nothing can penetrate that shield. As long as he holds that shield over an area, that shield would deflect swords, spears, arrows, all kinds of things. It talks about fiery darts of the enemy. Uh, So it will deflect those things. That's what that shield does. And the bigger the shield is, the more protection you have. A lot of times when the warriors would fight, they would put a shield wall out first and then their archers would be behind that shield wall because they were protected by that shield wall. They could put it down if they were being a frontal attack or if arrows were coming, they lifted it up and made like an umbrella to uh, protect people. So the shield of faith is there as a defensive weapon, a way for us to defend ourselves against the attacks of the enemy. All right. The helmet of salvation. Now, the helmet of salvation is one of my favorite things to talk about. So the helmet, uh, it protects our mind, okay? And the mind is the one place that the enemy tries to get inside and break us down. Uh, y'all have no idea how many people I talk to on the phone daily uh, or through emails that are going through uh, depression. They're going through uh, self-doubt. They're going through all these things that the enemy tries to put in their mind. You think about it for yourself. You think about when you have a thought and then the enemy, the first thing he does is, how can you be a Christian? How can you think that? You're not really a Christian. I can remember when, uh, you know, when I first got saved, the devil tried to beat me up about that. You're not really saved. This isn't real. None of this stuff is real. God doesn't love you. How can he love somebody like you, the things you've done, the people you've hurt, the things you've said? You know how the devil attacks all of us. So this is, is what that helmet is protecting us with, the helmet of salvation. That helmet protects the mind, being right with God and... Uh, you know, just knowing that I have salvation in Jesus Christ and that helmet is always there. So when the devil comes and he tries to whisper in your ear, he tries to uh, sway your mind, you can say, flee from me, devil, because I know I have the helmet of salvation and there's nothing you can do. You can't get in here because that helmet is protecting me. Now, Colossians 4, uh, 7 says, And the peace of God, which passed all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things." So Colossians 4 is telling us to think on those things that are pure, that are lovely, that are just, that are good. Uh, not to think on the bad things, not, not to let the enemy get into your mind. Um, I always remember uh, one of the things that uh, Pastor Baxter told me was that if, if you truly want to know that you've forgiven somebody for something, it's when you forget about it. When it's out of your mind and all you think about is good for that person. 
And, you know, he always said that it's, it's hard to think ill feelings towards somebody if you're praying for good to come in their life. The more you pray for a person that you have a problem with, the more you're going to love that person because you can't be praying for good to happen in their life and not like somebody. And so that's just extra there. I'm just throwing that in because we need to remember those things. We need to think on these things that are godly and not think on the things that are worldly, not think on the things that are materialistic, not think on the things that are evil, but think on all the things that are good. I know right now in the world it seems like there's so much chaos and bad things going on, but we, we can't just be enthralled in that all the time to where that begins to get in our minds and in our hearts. We need to be in the Word of God. We need to be praising God. We need to be thinking on the goodness of God. Romans 12, uh, 12.2 says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, where that helmet is, that ye may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So you're able to do that when you're in the Word of God, understanding what the Word of God is. If you're in the Word of God and you're understanding that truth that we were talking about earlier, then you're going to be able to renew your mind daily because you're going to be looking for the things that are good, acceptable, and perfect in the will of God. You'll be asking for the will of God to be done in your life. Okay, next, and I've got to move quickly here. The sword of the Spirit. The Word of God is our only offensive weapon. The Word of God is the sword. So use this to fight off the devil, just like Jesus did in the desert when the enemy tempted him. Luke 4, uh, 1 through 13 talks about that. You can see it in the Scriptures and how Jesus used the Scriptures and the Word of God to make the, the devil flee from him. Uh, 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So we need to know what the word of God says in order to use it to fight off the enemy. And not only that, guys, we need to use this as a way to encourage other people and to build other people up and help them to understand what the Word of God is saying, okay? So that's why it's so important, that sword of the Spirit. That's our offensive weapon that we can actually fight back with. Okay, the last instruction from Paul in this is that, and many people leave this out, is to pray always in the Spirit. So when we pray in the Spirit, the Bible says that we are speaking mysteries unto God and we're building up our faith. I want to show you what I'm talking about. In 1 Corinthians 14, uh, verse 2, it says, For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto man, but unto God. For no man understandeth him, howbeit the Spirit speaketh mysteries. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself. This word edifieth means to build yourself up. It means to build up. That's what edify means. So when you're doing this, lots of people get confused about what that means to be praying in the Spirit, to be speaking in tongues. But Paul is telling you right here that when he does this, he's, he doesn't have understanding. He's speaking to God in mysteries. And a lot of times when you're doing that, you're, you're being built up in your spirit. God's giving you what you need for the day. 
that's why it's important. And that's how we start our day off here at End Time. We go to prayer every morning from 8 to 9 o'clock. And as we're praying, we, we get in that, that place where we're, it's just us and God. And we begin to pray in the Spirit. And when you're praying in the Spirit, it's like you're being uh, re-energized or revitalized. Uh, the renewing of your mind, the renewing of your spirit is happening while you're doing this. Okay, And just to prove that that's what he's talking about there when he says pray always in the Spirit in that uh, Ephesians scripture, Jude one uh, twenty says, But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Okay, building up yourself, edifying yourself. That's what he was talking about in 1 Corinthians 14. And then Jude says the same thing. Building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And so we, we see that uh, that's a very important part of our day. Like I said before, that is edification. That's building yourself up. That's helping you to be able to face the day. When you're built up in the spirit that day, you're going to be able to help other people. And, uh, you know, a lot of times people get confused about uh, the Holy Ghost and, and what happened. But if you want to know what the Holy Ghost is, go back and look at Acts chapter 2, where it talks about the apostles uh, being in the upper room and they all received the Holy Ghost and they all begin to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. And so that's what Paul's talking about. It's a very important part of not only having that armor on, but being prayed up. And not just praying up for yourself to be built up, but praying up for building up others. Uh, praying up for um, preparing for that day and being ready for what's coming. So I hope that you can kind of see what I was talking about today as we get in there. This is, if we have this armor of God on, we're going to be ready for that day of the Lord when He comes as a thief. And that's how we're going to be able to fulfill Daniel eleven thirty two. The people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. So, thank you for joining me today. I'll see you again next week. Dave will be back tomorrow. Hopefully, he'll be able to take live calls. God bless you guys, and we'll see you next week. This has been End of the Age, brought to you by the faithful partners of End Time Ministries. If you're not currently a partner with End Time Ministries, or if you would like more information, we invite you to call us at 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-363-8463, or visit us online at endtime.com.